Matthew chapter 12. I'm going to reread part of what we read last week. So I'm going to start in verse 24. It says, But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts, and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. And we'll pray. Again, Lord God, we just want to thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to come to your word, to see the way that Jesus spoke to people, the way that he taught people. Um, Help us to understand his teachings, Lord, and I just pray that you would guide me this morning as I speak, and I just pray for uh, the people in our church, Lord, and um, some are uh, facing some medical procedures this week, and so we just think of, of them, and I think of those who have not been well. Um, there are several, Lord, and so I just uh, put them into your hands, Lord. I ask that you would touch their bodies, strengthen them, heal them, if you would, Lord, and just encourage them. Let them know that your love is with them and that uh, they will be whole with you one day, even if they aren't while they're here on this earth, Lord. So we just, again, put them into your hands, and we just ask your hand on us this morning. Guide us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So as we started looking at this passage uh, last week, we looked at the first part of it, and where the Jesus had healed. He was healing multitudes of people, and he healed this one person in particular, and the people were amazed at this particular individual, and we looked at the, the part of it where they were shocked and said, is not this the son of David? And we looked at Jesus as the son of David and even as the son of God, and just the way that he fulfilled prophecy in all, of, all aspects of his life, but just in that area in particular last week. And now this passage carries on with, but when the Pharisees heard it, and then start claiming that he's casting out devils by the power of the devil. Through. So they're claiming that Jesus has a devil, and that is how he is able to cast out these other devils. And Jesus answers them in verse 25. says, and Jesus knew their thoughts. They haven't even whether they were mumbling this in the background or haven't even said it out loud, but he, he knows their thoughts. He knows what they've said. And he said unto them, every kingdom 
divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself, how shall then his kingdom stand? Now, this, Jesus is using it to answer the accusation against him. But he gives a broad enough answer that we can understand that this can be applied in any direction, in any circumstance. The statement that a kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Now, I don't know if things were different this past year um, or if it's just that I've became more aware of what was going on. I've never been overly political-minded in the past, but this past year um, I was very aware of what was going on in the States uh, leading up to their election and, and all that, so I don't know if it was just that I paid more attention or maybe it was more prominent in the news. And I, and among the people I'm in conversation with, it was certainly coming up on a regular basis. And so I was just aware of what was going on in the, in the States. And I noticed that a awful lot of Canadians are very strongly opinionated in <laughs> what was going on in the States. And, but looking at that overall picture, that fits very much this description where Jesus says every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And as I've watched and listened to various people talking about the political atmosphere in the States, there's an awful lot of talk of a potential civil war because of such animosity between the two political sides and the people on each side, the hatred for each other is so strong. It's incredible. And it's a nation divided against itself. And there's many people predicting the fall of the United States because it's not that there's always been disagreements politically. But we usually can agree to disagree and we can live together with those disagreements. And in this current atmosphere, neither side is willing to even accept that the other side has any validity whatsoever. It's just complete hatred for the opposite opinions. Um, and it looks like a nation divided against itself. And it, there's many people talking about that that nation is going to fall because of that division in its people. We have a new um, director for our, our mission board with Bible Camp. Uh, so Rural Life, they just recently hired an, this man and um, we had a Zoom meeting with him, just, just us and him, just to get to know each other a little bit better this past week. And in our discussion, some of these things came up and there was an, I had made an observation as we, we talked about the church and different things, and my observation, and I don't want anybody to misunderstand 
what I'm saying, I'm not casting judgment on anybody when I make this description. This is just an observation that I see there's three basic groups. And if you don't fit perfectly into one of those groups, that's fine. <laughs> this is just kind of what I see as three basic groups in regards to our current issue with the pandemic and, and all this stuff that's going on in regards to that. And one group is those who are called conspiracy theorists or whatever, but they're the, the group who thinks that there's very little validity to any of what's been going on. Um, whether some may believe that the, the disease exists, but that it's completely blown out of proportion and that all of the measures, whether it's masks or lockdowns and all these things that have taken place over this time, completely are against all of those regulations. I want, whether they actively stand against those, but want to go against those regulations. So that's one group. And then on the opposite side of that is the group who listens to our media and the government and all those voices that are saying how dangerous the virus is and how we need to do these things to reduce the spread of this. And we need to follow these regulations in order to show our care for our fellow humans and the people so that people aren't going to die from this needlessly. And then there's a group in the middle who probably, whether they believe one side or the other or lean to one side or the other, aren't maybe absolutely sure or aren't as strongly opinionated and so kind of stand in the middle and just kind of want to live their life and get along with everybody and, you know, will willing to follow the rules to accommodate people, whether they think it's going to save lives or not, but are willing to maybe just go along with what's going on and don't see a, a major conspiracy against them in it, but just an inconvenience, perhaps. But I see these three basic groups of people. There's two extremes, and then there's a sort of a middle-line moderate group And I see the same thing happening, in particular on the two extremes, is that, I said in the States, there's your two political sides and they cannot allow the other side's opinions to have any validity. And I see the same thing happening among Christians on those two extremes of this coronavirus and the pandemic, pandemic and all the, the regulations is there's a completely just complete dismissal of the other person's views and it's dividing the church and that's I'm not I'm not going to say that one is right or one is wrong I'm saying that it's dividing the church regardless of who is right or wrong and I see and I've pointed to uh, Romans 14 before, 
And Paul used the issues that were a, a problem in the people at the time. And in that chapter, it was meats and it was that of a holy day. And we looked at um, the Sabbath day recently. And that was one of the things that the people were concerned about. And some people thought they needed to observe the Sabbath day and, and all the feast days and all those things. And the other group saw that Christ took care of that. That's been covered and we can move forward and we don't have to follow all those regulations that we once had to as Jews. And so what Paul's point was in that passage, though, is one of you is right and one of you is technically wrong but it's not an issue of who's right and who's wrong he didn't even really define who was right and wrong it was implied but it wasn't like he didn't make a point of correcting the viewpoint he made a point of correcting the attitude of those who were more so those that were correct in their doctrine and their view of their treatment of those that disagreed. And that was what his point in that whole chapter was, is that even if you're right, you're more wrong than those that are wrong in the way that you view this, in the way that you treat the other person who doesn't agree with you. You have no grace with those people. And I see that that happens in the church. I read um, some articles and I tend to read the, the comment section about the articles as much as I do the articles. And there's a church in southern Ontario that was staying open even during the lockdown. Um, they did end up closing their doors and moving to a drive-in service um, after much <laughs> uh, pressure been put on them through, through the government and police and whatnot. But in the comments regarding that church that felt that God would have them to continue to worship together in their church building, they felt that they were honoring God in doing that. But among the comment section about that article in that church, many of the people claimed to be Christians were very, very critical of that church. They were probably in many cases, more critical of that church than the non-Christians were. And I see that this issue is dividing the church. Part, part of it is because people aren't thinking. <laughs> that's a major part of it. Mm. it and that, that's, if, if you didn't hear, the issue is people aren't thinking. Not thinking for themselves, they're just listen to somebody's voice and it doesn't even matter what side that voice is coming from sometimes people just believe whichever voice they they've chosen to believe and they don't consider they don't think about the the whole picture and the other people's views anyway i want to look at uh, romans chapter 12 to start here to look at our church the church perhaps If you want to turn to Romans chapter 12. And this 
This issue of division in the church is not a new thing. Um, we're going to go to another book and look at it, this same thing. There's two, two spots where Paul deals with it quite directly. So Romans chapter 12, and I know the whole chapter is pretty much needed. So I'm just going to read through here. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And I think that really speaks to exactly what I was just saying. We need to not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Your opinion is not more valid than somebody else's opinion. Even if you're right. <laughs> think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Verse 4 says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy... Let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry. Let us wait on our ministering or he that teacheth on teaching or he that exhorteth on exhortation or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. And we could continue there, but I'll stop at that point. We each, in our church, are given gifts by God. We have strengths and weaknesses, and we have different positions and functions within the church. And his point is, do yours. <laughs> whatever your function is, whatever your gift is, focus on that. Focus on what you're doing for God and do it joyfully. Do it with cheerfulness. Um, it was one time I, I did some research and it's a very common principle. It's the 80-20 principle that 80% of the work gets done by 20% of the people. And that's a generalized statement, and it's true in many different areas, and it's true inside the church as well. Batteries on the back shelf there. So my mic cut out, and I have no idea where I was at that moment, but... Just this point of doing your role with gladness for God and not worrying about what others are or aren't doing. 
do your part and do it for God, not for the people. And that 80-20 idea is often the 20% resent the 80% that aren't doing the amount of work that, that they've been doing. And, and that's very common and often over time when you diligently do this thing week in, week out, year after year, and you see these other people that just come and take part and they take for granted the work that you do. And you start to resent those people and instead of doing that thing gladly for God, and that you forget why you started doing that in the first place. We need to be careful of the, our attitude in this, as, especially as time goes on, but in looking at other people and put your focus back on you and your own attitude in those things. I'm going to turn back over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as well. This talks very much the same way, but it gets into some details a little differently that I want to look at here. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 12 here. It says, For as the body is one, speaking of the church, of course, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if there were, and if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Now I'll stop there. This description of the church as a body, as a human body, and each of us being a different part of that body, and he describes this like 
can the eye say that I have no need of the ear? No, we need. We, we, we really notice. We take for granted all these different parts that function together. But when we lose one of those parts or one of those functions, if somebody goes blind, somebody goes deaf, having been used to having those functions of their body, they really miss that. <laughs> and same with a finger. People who cut off a finger miss that finger drastically afterwards. We can't say we have no need of this part. The only part that I can, I'm not so sure was my appendix when I had that out because I haven't noticed that it's, it's gone missing. But uh, our body functions as a whole and we need, each part is important. And he describes that even the parts that don't have a particular important function are the nice looking parts generally that make us appealing. <laughs> that, and we, we like those parts too. And so it's an interesting description of the church. And when you have something like a pandemic, and the pandemic isn't the issue, the different viewpoints of the pandemic isn't the issue, it's just brought the issue to the surface. The issue is what, how we treat each other in the church. When Jesus was speaking to, that, to these Pharisees, he's answering their thoughts. In verse 29, he says, Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? We're the house. We're the... The church is the host, the, not the building, the people. And with this pandemic and the viewpoints, it's like Satan has bound the church. He's divided the church and it's become bound. Its function, our, the way we minister has been so hindered and with the fighting and the animosity between the different points of view within the church has broken us down so much that we're not, we're not doing the ministry that we're called to do. We've been bound by Satan, not by the pandemic, but by our own attitudes within the church and by the infighting. And like I said, in that article that I read about this church who was trying to honor God by meeting and the hatred put out towards them by the Christian community. It's exactly what Jesus is describing here. It's binding the church and making us completely ineffective for God. I don't know the answer to how we should respond to everything that goes on around us. I don't know how deep the conspiracies go. I don't know if there's an agenda that's behind all of these things. I can think what I want, but I need to be careful of how I express those opinions and how I treat 
others that don't share those opinions. And I need us as a church to not have hold this hatred. I don't know if you feel that that's what it is, but that's how it is expressed. When you refuse to speak to another person, you won't hardly look at another person in the church that doesn't share your viewpoint on this. There's a, a right and a wrong, perhaps, in their viewpoints. And, but you know what? Whichever side you're on, you think you're right, but the person on the other side thinks they're right as well. You're both trying to honor God in the way you respond to what's going on around us. If your heart is right, in that area at least. And I believe that each person is trying to honor God in the way they respond. But why are we hurting each other? Why are we hindering each other and hindering God's work in the way that we treat each other in those responses? Why can't we look beyond that and still love each other and say, I have need of you because you're a part of my body. <laughs> we, the church needs... That, I don't know if it's the same church that was meeting this time as in the first part of the pandemic, but there was a church in southern Ontario that broke the rules about drive-in services. They said, there's no risk if we're all parked in a car listening to a radio in front of our church building. We're going to do this, and we're going to have some form of a gathering, even if it's not to the standard or the the norm that we're used to, we're going to gather in that sense so we can see each other's faces in person. And so they pulled up and they had this service and they got fined for it. But when this got into the news and got discussed and came before the government, the government changed the rule. Now all the churches who just sat at home not willing to stand against the government and go against a rule regardless of the validity of that rule now benefited from that church who was willing to take a stand. And we, included in that group, two weeks later were able to hold a drive-in church service and we could see each other's... And the joy... There's a difference in seeing each other's faces even pulling in in a car than looking at each other on a computer screen. There is a difference. But those people who are willing to make that stand, who had the conviction in their hearts that in order to honor God, I need to do this, those people gave us the freedom to do the things that we're now able to do. Those people who are willing to take the stand now saying, the statistics don't show that we shouldn't be gathering. That we can hold an indoor church service safely if we follow certain precautions. The statistics don't show that. And so we're going to do this because I want to honor God. And then the conviction is that they want to honor God. And now, nothing has changed yet, but it starts things rolling. And it may 
provide an opportunity for us to get back indoors and worshiping together that much sooner. And so don't resent those people who are doing the things that you're not willing to do. They have a function in the church. Like the ear instead of the eye, or the hand instead of the foot. We each have a function, and not just in our own small church family, but as a church as a whole, we need to have some unity in that and not resent those who have different views and a different function in the church. I told Jen yesterday, she's asking if I had anything to say today, and I said, yeah, but I don't want to say it. (laughs) But I think it needs to be said. I'm going to close with this thought. The Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. Last week we looked in in 2 Samuel at the end of David's life it said he was given rest from the wars that were taking place. David was a man of war and he wanted to build this host for God and his heart was right in doing that and God says you have too much blood on your hands to build me a house is really what the answer was. But God loved David. David was called a man after God's own heart. He had sin. He had blood on his hands. We can have blood on our hands. We can have sin in our lives. We can make mistakes. But David wanted to correct those mistakes. He wanted to right those wrongs. And his heart towards God was very soft. And in Psalm 139, David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. It didn't end there, though. He's opening himself up to God to search his heart and search his mind to find any wickedness that's in him. And he ends that saying, and lead me in the way everlasting. Correct that. Get rid of the evil in my life. But we have to first be willing to be looked at, to open our heart, to see if there's anything there. We need to be willing to evaluate our own hearts, to know, yeah, maybe I do need to change the way I look at this other person that doesn't share my point of view on this issue. And so we need to have a heart like David, a heart after God's own heart, and be willing to not only see the wrong that's in our heart, see the bad attitudes that are in our heart, but we need to be willing to change, to correct that, to do whatever it takes to get right with God. Let's pray. Lord God, this is not a nice, comforting topic to discuss, but Lord, it is important. Your church needs to 
stand together, a host divided against itself will fall, Lord, and we need to be bind ourselves together to have strength, Lord, to stand, to stand against the world and to stand against Satan and his attacks against us, Lord, and we feel that the church is being weakened, it's being bound by this division that's going on inside of not just our own church, but among most churches and churches against each other, Lord. And so just help us to have a humble heart towards you, Lord, be willing to submit ourselves to you, to change our hearts, our attitudes, Lord. Just pray that you would work in our hearts, Lord. Help us, strengthen us. Pray this in Christ's name. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, help me stand. I am tired, I am weak, and I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand. Precious Lord, lead me home. When my way grows drear, precious Lord, linger near. When my life is almost gone, hear my cry, hear my call. Hold my Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. Lord, again, we just ask that you would be with each one. And pray your blessing on each person here today and those who are listening from home as well, Lord. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.